Bet365 sponsors our podcast and they feature over 300,000 sporting events on their betting app. It's got everything you need to bet on sport. Bet365 are offering a wide range of markets including first, last or anytime goal scorers. With over 45 million members, it's the world's favourite online betting company. With the Bet365 Bet Builder, you can combine match results, players to score, number of goals and more to create your own personalised bet. And if you can't watch the games live, with Bet365's Match Live feature, you can follow every moment through live graphics and text. Bet365 is the world's favourite online sport betting company. The app can be downloaded from the Google Play and Apple App Store. Over 18s only, please gamble responsibly. Welcome to 5000 to 1, the Athletics Leicester City podcast. My name is Rob Tanner and joining me as ever is my co-host and Leicester City legend, the expert, the man that has his eye on the club all the way around. It's Matt Elliott. How are you, Matt? <laughs> I'm good, Rob. Thank you. Um, good to be having a chat with you again. Looking forward to the start of the season. Last time we spoke, you called me an ex-expert. and uh, <laughs> That was my stammer. With- yeah, traditional label uh, this week. But uh, yeah, always good to have a chat with you, talking all things football and Leicester City in particular. Absolutely. We've got plenty to discuss as well with the uh, the season about to start and the state of Leicester City going into the new campaign. But just for what we start, I'll just let you know, um, just had a, a special interview with Hamza Chowdhury and you can read that exclusive interview on the Athletic website on Saturday. Uh, Hamza talking about all things about his career, his development, his rise from a young kid from Loughborough all the way through the ranks at Leicester City to the first team. And he'll be discussing as well his role at Leicester City under Brendan Rodgers. Now, don't miss exclusive in-depth coverage like this. Uh, for this unprecedented sports season. Subscribe now and save. Sign up now to see for yourself the reporting and storytelling that sets us at The Athletic apart. And if you go to theathletic.com forward slash Leicester pod, you can receive an all-access subscription for just £1 a month. Football is back and you won't want to miss every breaking Leicester story and beyond. So go to theathletic.com forward slash Leicester pod and receive an all-access subscription for just £1 a month. We hope to see you there. Now, Matt, um, let's just hear a little bit of what uh, Hamza's got to say about his role this season. I don't know. It's a, it's a tricky question. The manager, I feel like um, I'm there to, to help the team as much as I can. So if that's as an eight or as a six, then I'm there to do it. Uh, he talks to me a lot about the tactical side of the game and, and, and where to press and when to press and what positions to pick up. I feel like I'm still learning and trying to improve on that side of the game. So it's helping me quite a lot. Um, Obviously, the staff here are amazing, so it's it's about that. And and he 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 likes to say that obviously we press high, and it's it's not defending, it's it's attacking really, and we're doing it to win the ball back high to create obviously more attacking situations. So, Matt, how do you see Hamza being used, being utilised by Brendan Rodgers this season? He's got so many options in midfield; it's the one area where they do seem to have a lot of options. So, what sort of role do you see him having? Yeah, he does in that department. And, uh, on a personal note, it was great to hear from Hamza and to see, watch from afar uh, how his career has developed because I was fortunate enough to be involved with him and a number of the, the current first-team squad actually back in 
a few days, a few days, sorry, a few years ago when I was involved at the academy. And Hamza in particular, I took a shine to. I, I like his character. He's got a little twinkle in his eye. He's got a little bit of spirit. And I could see that from the early days. And for him to come through and, and be part of the first team squad, no mean feat. But, you know, as, as you you posed the question there and he, he's tried his, his best uh, he can to, you know, to answer it. But trying to be a little bit diplomatic, probably, you know, trying to cover both sides um, of the argument. You know, saying that he's got to be flexible and he can play either role he's requested. But it's finding that sort of niche position for him, isn't it? Because you've got, I don't know how you approach it. You know, I suppose he needs to develop a definitive role, really, because I think his style of play at the moment, he sort of gets caught between two stalls. And is he that out-and-out holding defensive midfielder that, say, indeed he is? Um, you know, and one, you've got to oust Wilfred if you want to take his place on a, a regular occurrence. Um, and you sort of develop that discipline to his game. I mean, Hamza used to be a fullback when he was a, a teenager and a very good one at that. And not many people go past him 1v1 situations, progressed or developed into the you know, a central holding midfield role and dictating play. But Wilfred's got that position sewn up to an extent, so he's, he's trying to sort of branch out a little bit. He doesn't have that natural flair or creativity of uh, James Madison or or the like. A few people do. But um, I don't know. He is a little bit of a utility midfield player at the moment, dependent on the opposition as well, isn't it? You know, if you're, if you're against one of the big sides and you're, you're trying to be secure first and foremost... Hamza's likely to get the nod. Uh, if you're looking, you know, for a convincing win, you, I don't know, you you need goals in a certain game, and you've got to win by a certain margin. Or maybe Hamza's not your man at the moment. He, he's not that proficient in front of goal. Excellent strike against Newcastle aside. Uh, so you know, it's, I think he needs to define things a little bit for himself and focus on that because he's a little bit. Oh, it sounds a bit harsh to say jack of all trades, but you know you get magist, but um, a valuable member of the squad nonetheless. Big season for him. Yeah, and he's got a good chance of uh, starting the season as well with the problems that Leicester City yeah. have had. And we saw in that final pre-season uh, friendly against Blackburn, you were doing co-commentary for the uh, for the club website uh, on the day, and you, you several times you mentioned his work rate, his energy to get round people to win the ball back. That seems to be his strength, and with Madison missing from the side. Do you think he's got a chance of coming in and playing that role uh, and, and pushing Tielemans further forward? Where do you see him fitting in on the opening day? Because they haven't got too many options. Yeah, I think with things as they are, with the, the injury stroke suspension situation, there's a possibility Hamza could get the nod early on, um, You know, particularly, say, away from home. And again, it's, it's situations that the manager makes his assessment, makes his choice, isn't he? In certain games, um, uh, you know, he tends to favour Hamza, doesn't he? And uh, with Madison not being about, exactly, you're probably looking at Tillemans to be more advanced, to be in behind the front three, front two, whichever it it turns out to be. And then Hamza can bring that solidity, but also join forward. And as we've seen, numerous times, you know, teams that, not necessarily West Brom so much, but teams that like to, uh, have a possession-based game. 
Hamza is the ideal man to go and close down and pressurise and win back possession high up the pitch. So, you know, he's got a fair few attributes there. and But I just he just needs to harness his role a little bit, a touch, and you know, make it more defined. But, uh, yeah, I think he's got, he's got a more than decent shot of being involved at the weekend. I think Brendan Rodgers likes him. You know, similar to me, I mentioned about his character and his personality, and I think Brendan Rodgers sees that in him as well. He, he talks fondly of him, and uh, you know, I think he'd be keen to try and bring him along as best as possible. And, and he's not scared to give him opportunities, as we've seen before. Well, normally going into a, a new season, we've had an extended pre-season. We've had five or six or seven games. Um, we've seen every uh, first-team player that's been available involved in some way, but... This has hardly been the ideal pre-season preparation for the season, has it? I mean, 14 uh, senior players missing from the Blackburn game. So we had a lot of the youngsters in. Um, Josh Knight playing centre-back. We've had Luke Thomas coming in and playing as a conventional left-back. A lot of the youngsters have been given an opportunity. So we can't gauge a hell of a lot from that going into the season, other than Leicester City are an unknown quantity this season. They're gonna, I certainly believe, and this is a piece I wrote on The Athletic this week, that it's, they're going to find it a lot tougher this season. So going into this first game, uh, let's go to the, at the back, because they've got so many problems at the back, Matt, in terms of the centre-back situation at the moment. Johnny Evans is suspended. We don't know about uh, Wes Morgan at this stage, but he had a, a hamstring issue. So he's yep. missing. They haven't brought in a new centre-back, having let Ryan Bennett go. Um, we've had Philip Benkovic play a little bit in pre-season. We've had Siunsu play, and obviously he's going to be the first one there. But, but even Wilf and Diddy played centre-back against Blackburn. What, what would you do in that situation? <laughs> There's a question, isn't it? Not the sort of headache that Brendan Rodgers needs at this very early stage of the season. I mean... You say, you know, Evans is not available. So until is your only mainstay. And the, the preparation, as you say, is bordering on ludicrous, isn't it? I mean, teams are playing cup games, you know, in the EF, EFL. And and then the week after, they're, they're playing a, a pre-season friendly to get ready for the start of the campaign. And, and obviously all the players going away, internationals. and oh, It's a right old mishmash, isn't it? And, you know, everyone's got to cope with it, though. So that's a... That's one consolation. You know, Leicester are not alone in that situation. At the back, I mean, in the games that Leicester have had, they've adopted the back four. Yeah, yeah. You know, he's resisted the temptation to, to, to you know, experiment to a certain extent you know, with the back three. I don't think it quite worked for them the back end of last season as Brendan would have liked it to have. It's not to say he wouldn't revert to it again at some stage. I'm sure he will throughout the course of the campaign. Again, dependent on the situations um, with all the competitions that Leicester are involved in. I'd, away from home, you know, there's part of me thinking if he's not totally convinced about um, a partnership in the heart of defence in a back four, he might go for that extra security. He, he has the personnel to play with the wing-backs, Thomas, Justin, Castagne, you know, can all fill that role. But then who are the three centre-halves? And apart from Soyuncu, I don't think he's overly convinced with any of them, is he? Because no. Benkovic, you know, he's been, been at the club for a couple of seasons now, and if he was going to have his opportunity, you know, you think he would have got that by now. Although he has the makings, you know, he's a good footballer. There's a difference between a good, being a good footballer and a good centre-half. 
that I mean Wilfred and Didi would do a job, but then I think it's too much of a miss in midfield for me. You know, he is the main enforcer. Well, what, what a decision! Because like they say, I mean, there's rumours about Fafana coming in, but he's only a young boy. Is he ready to go straight into the mix? Probably not. Uh, you know, if and when he was to sign. So I think in this occasion against his probably his better judgment. I wouldn't be that shocked, you know, as I'm mulling it over now, that Brendan might go for a back three for that extra assurance. And who do you think he would have then? Do you think James Justin would play on the right side because he's done that before? Siuncu uh, and Benkovic, do you think he'd go with that yeah. three? Benkovic I, is, see I think that. there's a feeling that Benkovic is a little bit fragile, that he picks up injuries. He did it at Bristol City, he did it at Celtic, he picked up yeah. little injuries. And I think, I think Brendan just needs a bit of convincing on him going forwards, whether he's ready for the, the demands of the Premier League. Uh, I'll just bring our listeners up to a little bit of data about the search for a centre-back, because that is the priority for Leicester City at the moment. They haven't made a move for Tarkowski. I know there's been a lot of reports that they're, that they're interested. They are monitoring that situation, but they've made no contact yet. They had a £30 million bid rejected uh, uh, last year for Tarkowski, and at the time he's got a £50 million release clause. They weren't going to match that. And they went with Siuncu instead, and that worked out very well for them. But they are still monitoring the situation. However, they are trying to sign Wesley Fofana from St Etienne. He's, he's only 19, and he's only played 27 senior games. So he's one that they have identified for the future, the one that can yeah. develop. But that doesn't address the issue now. So it looks like he's got no choice if he's going to play a three back three. Benkovic and Siuncu and James Justin. That's the way it looks. Like I say, my thinking for that is it's not particularly convinced about whoever would partner Soyuncu in a back four. So he might go for that extra insurance. But, um, I mean, Tarkowski fits the bill if there was to be any movement towards it. But even that brings its own problems or conundrums, doesn't it? Because all of a sudden you've got three top-class centre-halves uh, can you afford for one of them to be on the bench? You don't want to be railroaded into playing three centre-halves when your preferred system is, to say, the four-one-four-one that Leicester often adopts. But uh, at the same time, Johnny Evans, you know, not getting any younger, not to say he's injury-prone, but you need to keep an eye on that situation. Wes, as we know, is not getting any younger. So it's such a difficult balancing job, isn't it, as a manager? But... Um, yeah, no, I, I can see the three, probably against his, you know, his better will. This podcast is brought to you by Manscaped, the expert in men's below-the-belt grooming. Manscaped offers precision-engineered tools for your family jewels. And Manscaped has just launched in the UK. We've gone years without using the right tools for the job, so you can be one of the first men in the country to experience Manscaped's life-changing products. Their third-generation trimmer features a cutting-edge ceramic blade to reduce manscaping accidents. And the water-resistant technology also allows you to groom whilst in the shower. And we've got a special offer right now for all of you listening to this podcast. Get 20% off and free shipping right now by using the code EPL20 at manscaped.com. That's 20% off with free shipping at manscaped.com by using the code EPL20. Happy shaving! I mean, talking about the prices that are going on, I mean, we've just had a pandemic that's closed down the game. Fans still aren't allowed in. Clubs are losing revenue constantly. And the Premier League clubs are not immune to the problems that the rest of the Football League 
are sort of experiencing. Do you think it's a bit grotesque, a bit obscene that some of these prices, some of these price tags are put on players at a time when a lot of people are, are struggling for their own jobs at the moment? And, and 50 million for a player of Tarkowski's ability. I mean, he's a good player and he's been capped twice by England. Statistically, he was one of the better defenders in Europe last season. Um, but still, £50 million. Pounds. I mean, it may, raises the question to me, Matt, how much would you be worth in the modern modern transfer market? <laughs> oh, you, get, you get a couple of quid for me these days, <laughs> wouldn't you? But not a lot more than that. But, I mean, yeah, exactly. I mean, to be honest, it does flash in my mind. I mean, at the time, albeit 23 years ago, so I know things evolve, but... 1.6 million was a club record for Leicester. And you know, now we're talking tens of millions, aren't we? I'm not sure exactly what the record was, is it? It's Tielemans 32 million is the club the, record the, at the yeah, moment. So they're not going to pay 50 30s. million. No, I, and I, I, I think they'd be right not to pay that because Tarkowski said would fit the bill. I think these days, you know, if, I don't know, you're comparing him. It's so hard though, is it? I mean, 80 million for Aaron Maguire... Is how much short is Tarkowski of that? So there's an argument for Bernie to to, to hold out for that money, but oh, in real terms, you know, you do wonder how it's escalated. Is it? But at the end of the day, it's, it's, it's the market value, isn't it? You know, the supply and demand and all that. Although, yeah, I, it doesn't sit comfortably with me. I have to be honest. I mean, even in my day, the wages were creeping up, and if I'm honest, I earned. Much, much more than I ever dreamt I ever would. And I'm slightly embarrassed about it, if I'm honest. But now, wages are astronomical, aren't they? As are transfer fees. And it, it's slightly sort of cringeworthy a little bit, isn't it? And there's all this talk about you know, how much players are earning over a period of time. And, you know, be a little bit more subtle about it maybe in the press and the media but listen it's a story isn't it? people want to read about these things but at this moment in time when a lot of people are struggling it doesn't sit that well but uh but i suppose you know i don't blame the players at all you know if, if they get the opportunity to earn as much as they can um they're going to take it aren't they and pretty much all of us would do the same but it does seem a strange old world you know the 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 chasm between the haves and haves nots in this modern day is uh, slightly bizarre to say the least. Well, Leicester City have made a sign in a more modest twenty one point five million pounds for Timothy Castagnier. I imagine he's going to make his debut at left back. Um, Luke Thomas played as a conventional left back. We've seen him as a more of a wing back at the end of last season, but he played as a conventional left back against Blackburn. I noticed in your co commentary that um, there was a few times you thought he was getting caught under the ball, a little bit out of uh, position. Do you think he's ready? To start the season at left back, or do you think Rogers will go with the new guy? Again, you know, another problem there, isn't there? Another Luke Thomas. He came in, did exceptionally well, particularly in his first game. I mean, he showed that he's a he's a highly talented natural footballer. But the, again, it's different between being a good footballer and a good left back, wing back, stroke defender. Uh, you need to learn your trade a little bit, and I think even in that pre-season game against Blackburn, there, there were a few little areas that. Certainly, Luke was exposed in that instance, and I thought it, it sort of affected the rest of his game. Um, so, a little bit of a an eye opener, maybe for for Brendan. Look at that, thinking, oh, hang on a minute. If I was thinking of, of of sticking with Luke for a little while, I maybe have to think again in the short term. As as not to, you know, put a stunt on the, on Luke Thomas's 
possible opportunities down the line. But you know, he's obviously a very talented footballer, but he got caught under the ball on a few occasions. Nothing that's not addressable. It's just a little bit of a body adjustment, positional adjustment, something that could be worked on. It's not a massive deficiency, but you know, there are many little specifics to, to the full-back role and you know, you've only got to get it wrong once or twice and the opposition are in and it can be crucial. So you need to be ultra-reliable, especially right at the start, very start of the season. You, know, you want to get off to a nice, solid start. Um, but again, looking at the options that Brendan has, he may well find himself in, in a win-back position, probably more likely than anything. Well, let's get the move on to attack then, because uh, Jamie Vardy obviously is going to lead the line. Barring any sort of injury, he's leading the line, he's the main man. Looked like Perez and Barnes were the favoured support acts for him in those roles. Can you see any changes in attack? Do you think those those would definitely be the front three on the opening day? Perez, I think he still frustrates a little bit, doesn't he? As the Damari Gray, and they sort of take it in turns to flatter to deceive, don't they? Um, Harvey Barnes does that on occasion. But again, I know he's highly rated by Brendan, rightly so. Now, Jamie's your, your only nailed on front man, I think. Um, although, as you say, I think more than likely to, he's probably got the most trust in Barnes and Perez, hasn't he? Although all Brighton obviously you know, offers offers a, a little bit of stability there, but hasn't got the sort of directness or dynamism that Barnes can possess. So, uh, yeah, I think... I think more than likely, as you say, that that, that will that the front three will start that way. Um, it's up to them to show that consistency. But Bard is your main man, isn't he? But uh, he needs he needs a, he's going to need some extra respite this season, isn't he? Again, he's not getting any any younger extra games this season. Leicester need that versatility, that option. Ian Acho might need a bit of assistance in that role. Well, yeah, Kelechi is the uh, the alternative, isn't he, uh, um, for that front three. But also, perhaps a wild card, Islam yeah. Slomani, back training with the club. The guy hasn't played for Leicester City since January 2018, an FA Cup game at Fleetwood. He's been out on loan to Newcastle, Fenerbahce and uh, Monaco. Um, but he's back training, he's got still got a year left on his contract. Can you see Islam Slomani, considering the problems Leicester City have had recruiting and strengthening this squad, um, during this transfer window and the demands of this season, which is going to be five weeks shorter than normal, plus the Europa League. Could you see the likes of Slomani and even Adrian Silva having some role to play? Yes, it's, it's unbelievable, isn't it? Um, when you look at some of the you know the likes of um, Adrian Silva, even Papi Mendy, but um, Islam Slomani, a you know, forgotten man to an extent, isn't he? And... Leicester have had a lot of success stories on the recruitment side. A few that haven't gone so well, and Slomani quite clearly one of those. But who knows? Who knows? Because, you know, in this climate and you know, with the training ground and with the possible extension of the stadium itself, etc., you know, how the pandemic has affected King Power or not, um, they may look at an alternative... Who knows? There may well be a route for him, especially with the, the multiple competitions that at the moment you're looking predominantly, obviously, Vardy, so Ian Acho, little bit of help maybe from Barnes and Perez in a central role, but although it's not ideal for them. Um, stranger things have happened, Rob, haven't they? 
Well, absolutely. I mean, if those two um, play again for Leicester City, it would be an extraordinary turnaround. Leicester have been trying to move them on now for a while, but the problem is they're on such good wages. Leicester City, no other clubs are certainly abroad can match those wages. And uh, certainly Leicester can't seem to recoup much of the, uh, the the outlay. I mean, they spent over £50 million on the pair of them. So it is a conundrum. So they might think it, it, this is unusual times. This might be an unusual solution to the situation for uh, strengthening the squad moving forwards. Harry's sponsors 5,000 to 1, a podcast brought to you by The Athletic. As a listener of 5,000 to 1, you can start shaving with Harry's today by claiming your trial set for just £3.95. Support our podcast and get your set delivered to you, including a razor handle, five-blade cartridge, foaming shave gel and a travel blade cover by going to harrys.com forward slash Leicester City right now. That's harrys.com forward slash Leicester City. Let's finish with just a, a little chat about a former Leicester City player, Danny Drinkwater. Now, he's done his first interview for four years. Now, he seems to have gone completely off the radar since his £30 million move to Chelsea. Uh, he's had a few high-profile bust-ups with he had um, a headbutt with Jota at Villa. He got done for um, a drink-driving charge as well. His career sort of derailed over the last few years. And in a, an interview with the Telegraph, he talks about how he fell out of love with uh, with football. I remember Nigel Pearson referring to him as a complex character when he was at Leicester. But um, he did seem to um, take a lot of responsibility for his career being derailed a little bit in this interview. He's a he, he, he was a talented player when he was at Leicester. There's no doubt about it, was he? I mean, he forced his oh, way yeah. into the England squad. He was a good player. Yeah, it's been a strange old sequence of events, hasn't it, for Danny Drinkwater. Nigel Pearson, as you just mentioned there, he's a very complex, he seems quite an intense character. I don't know him to any great extent, but saw him in passing on a number of occasions when he was at the club and always nice and polite and respectful. And I think he was well-respected within the squad. Um, because not just his ability, but because of his attitude, I think he demanded quite a lot, not just from himself, but from other players. And you know, generally, that's a good thing because it raises standards. But um, I always felt with Danny, when he was at the club, it took him a while to really get into this try to make an impact because I always felt that there was a proper player ready to come out. He didn't quite sort of maximise his potential. Now, I remember one season coming watching him, I think it was against Sunderland in a pre-season game, and he looked like a different animal. He'd obviously been working hard in the gym, looked strong or powerful physically to ally that with his uh, his technical ability and it, you know, the pedigree and the upbringing he's had at Man United. So he had you know, lots of things going for him and it became a real force that year. I think it was the year that Leicester got promoted initially uh, from the Championship and then Obviously, you know, he, he was made a big impact in the Premier League and was one of the main figures, wasn't he, in the title winning season. Uh, for everything to, to go as it has, is it's a shame. And but I don't know why it just took him a while to develop that confidence to become one of the, the main men or the main man in the midfield area, um, obviously alongside Kante when he came. And I don't know, perhaps Danny would disagree with me, but I just felt that, he wasn't 100% comfortable or convinced of his own ability, maybe, to, uh, to perform at a club like Chelsea. He, he'd had an experience at Man U that didn't go to plan. It took him a little while to become a key figure for Leicester. And then all of a sudden, he was like semi-starting again um, <clears throat> on a different scale of ladder. But 
it's a different environment going to like a really big club like that where you've got these high profile names and he probably and he had the injury didn't he as well so everything sort of went against him settling in London different environment not everyone's a cup of tea and it can be it could be quite a, a daunting proposition really and I, maybe that was part of the reason as well and you know and from then it sort of slipped from one mini disaster to another isn't it it's such a shame only 30 years of age but time ticks by doesn't it and hopefully he can get himself back on course and finish off the latter half of his career in a more suitable manner to he became accustomed to in his time at Leicester because he was he was a major player wasn't he a major part of Leicester's success well, he certainly pushed for the move for Chelsea because um, they they came in for him in the, the previous year and Leicester rejected it. And then when they came in again, he was pushing for the move. And that's why it happened so late. And that's why they got Silver in 14 yeah. seconds after, after the I, deadline. But yeah, in I hindsight, it's a long, wrong move for him to go down to London. Too many distractions. His family are all in Manchester. His, his, his child was in, in Manchester. He never moved to Leicester from Manchester because he was so settled up there. In hindsight, it was the wrong move for him. It's a hell of a stretch, isn't it? Manchester to London. <clears throat> you don't want to be doing that too often. Um, yeah, probably didn't get a few things right, but I can understand him pushing, you know, for Chelsea, not just the money, but you know, the, the profile of the move. And, you know, the, <laughs> listen, he would have earned very big money at Leicester, but you're talking tens of thousands of pounds a week difference, aren't you? And people say, well, you know, how much do you need? But I can understand people's thoughts, really, short career and all that. Um, it just hasn't worked out for him, has it? And it, it's it's bizarre when you see it sometimes. You know, a player of his quality, and you've seen it happen before. People they just go off the rails or the form dips or the enthusiasm wavers. And yeah, it's... it's it doesn't happen too often, but um, I'd say hopefully Danny Christopher's career in, a, in better style than it's been over the last two years. Wonderful. Well, the focus turns to the players, the Leicester City players of now, as they kick off another season on Sunday. We'll be back next week with another edition of 5000 to 1 to reflect on Leicester City kicking off the new campaign and how they've gone. And hopefully we'll be discussing a victory, Matt. Thank you very much for joining us. Thank you very much, Matt, again for your time. Pleasure. And we'll see you again next time. 